His name is Bonam Wachale. He's the Chancellor of the University of the Free State. He's a professor of practice in the Johannesburg Business School, the College of Business and Economics. And he's also the chairman of both the Bidvest Group Limited and SBV Services. And he's written an interesting op-ed piece in the Daily Maverick where he talks about how we on the African continent, right, the, the, the chances we have of beating the COVID virus depends very much on us repurposing, reimagining, reopening African societies, business, developmental institutions, and government. But what does that mean in English? If, if you're not Alibaba, what am I going to call you? Bona Mohale, good to have you on the show. You know, my dear brother, thank you for having me. I think you can call me a change agent, a defender of democracy, and a social justice activist. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. We've always had the biggest amount of respect for you. And, I mean, rumor has it you even see your family sometimes. I mean, I just ran through all of this. So, by the way, what's a pro- I'm, I'm not even starting with the interview yet, but what in the world is a professor of practice again? Uh, from time to time, I teach global MBA students at the Johannesburg Business School. And then with Professor Nick Binadel, we do the same at Gibbs. So uh, really that's what it means. It says here's somebody who's done something and has a practical knowledge of that to be able to impart it to people that Mm. only learn it in theory. I would die. I would absolutely give my left arm to sit in one of your lectures. But let's talk about this op-ed that you wrote. What drove you... What were the thought processes that sort of led you to putting your proverbial pen to proverbial paper? So, you know, Kino, I think the vaccine rollout was always going to be a race. Because Mm. to me, it has always been very clear that the country that achieves herd immunity first will reap the global tourism's pent-up demand. So it is a sorry state that Africa is now reduced to a begging continent, unable to procure vaccines for its own people, depending once again on the goodwill of the world's aid and not trade. And I'm making the thesis that actually Africa is not a poor continent, just poorly managed. That even though Africa is rich in resources, The continent and its people have been exploited for decades. Yes, several countries of Africa are among the poorest in the world, and a large section of the population lives below the poverty date in life. Whilst Africa carries about 20% of the global burden of disease, its scientific output represents less than 1% of Mm. the world's share. And I go on, Kino, to say maybe, just maybe, the implementation of the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement will boost intra-Africa trade because I go on to, I think, Mm. really demonstrate beyond any shadow of doubt why this continent is so so gifted. Let me start by saying, Kino, you Mm. know, Africa is the world's second largest and second most populous continent after Asia in both cases. And it is the most centrally located continent in the world. So you can't say, no, but it's too far. With both the prime meridian, so the zero degree longitude, and the equator, the zero degree latitude, cutting across it, therefore receiving direct sunlight throughout the year. And yet the World Authority on Solar Systems is Germany that has three months 
of the sun a year, and we have more than 240 mm. days. It is a distinctively unique continent among all the seven continents of the world. For instance, it has a pink lake in Senegal, a very diverse culture. It is rich in cultural heritage and diversity. It has a wealth of natural resources, and it offers breathtaking tourist attractions. You know, both the world's tallest land animals, the giraffe, and the biggest, largest African elephant are found here in abundance. And then I go on to say, but so are the world's longest river, the Nile, and the world's largest desert, Sahara. Why wouldn't anybody want to come and be at the confluence of both the prime meridian and the equator? Because the equator passes through the middle of this dark continent. But I'm also going on to say the largest waterfall in Africa, called Musiwa Tunya, Mm. translated in English, the smoke that thunders. Cecil John Rhodes gets shown by the locals to say, let's show you this miracle. He says, Mm. I'm going to name it after my queen and calls it the Victoria Falls. This is 1.6 kilometers wide. It plunges a misty 108 meters into the narrow Batoka Gorge that is located on the border of Zimbabwe and Zambia. That Africa at 30.4 million square kilometers if you include the adjacent island, it covers 6% of the Earth's total surface area and 20% of the land mass. I mean, here, Kino, we are talking about 1.3 yep. billion people in 2018. Mm. That accounts for 16% of the world's human population. It has 55 countries. 54 mm. of them are absolutely sovereign states. And if I include the Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic, mm. it takes us to 54. And we are, of course, members of the African Union. After realizing that the organization of African unity could have been more uh, useful. But, you know, here's something that really um, Mm. turns me on. You know, according to the 2019 World Bank report, the top 10 African economies by GDP in billions of U.S. dollars are number one, Nigeria at 448. South Africa, 351 billion. Egypt at 303 billion U.S. dollars. But the the sad state for all of us is the fact that the Democratic Republic of Congo, with its untapped deposits of raw minerals, Mm. is estimated to be worth in excess of 24 trillion U.S. dollars. It is widely considered to be the richest country in the world. It has large reserves of cobalt, of gold, gems, copper, timber, mm. and uranium. However, for me, the most valuable resource that the DRC possesses is this large reserves of diamonds, because diamonds essentially serve as a peel of the DRC's struggling economy. It has a surface area equivalent to that of Western Europe. It is the largest country in the sub-Saharan Africa, the second mm. largest in all of Africa mm. and the 11th largest in the world. Yeah, but now why, hold on, why, why are we not doing anything about this? So we've got all of this pent-up potential, right? This is what I'm hearing you say. We also look, I mean, I just did an interview with the associate producer of a movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, Bonang, um, you make some time. It's on Netflix. It's called My Octopus Teacher, right? And it's been winning BAFTA Awards. That's just one example. Um, there are countless South African companies, one that you chairman of, right, 
that is doing phenomenal work, not just here, but globally. You buy global companies, right? Um, we've got Silicon Valley in the United States. If you, if, if you look at the amount of South Africans that dominate there, it's unbelievable. And we, this little country yeah, south of this beautiful continent called Africa, why is it that we can't take advantage of all the benefits that you've just mentioned to me right now? You see, Kino, you've hit the nail on the head. You see, none of these African countries beneficiate, and all of them export. Yep. Only to re-import the finished product, often at about 10 times the original cost. Yep. This guarantees jobs on other continents, mostly Europe, and condemns Africa to a self-perpetuating vicious cycle of abject poverty. Mm. Nigeria, for instance, is the world's 11th largest, but Africa's biggest crude oil producer. It has 18 operating pipelines and an average daily production over 2 million barrels in 2019. Of course, mm. Saudi Arabia, it's 11 million barrels a day. Yes. And yet, the petroleum industry accounts for about 9% of Nigeria's GDP and for over 90% of oil export value. But Nigeria doesn't have a single refinery to speak of. Only now, Oliko yeah. Dangote is building a refinery. Here's another stat that will blow your mind. About 70% of the world's cocoa beans come from four West African countries, Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, Nigeria, yeah. and Cameroon. But if you take Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana, they are by far the two largest producers of cocoa, accounting for more than 50% of the world's cocoa. And yet the best chocolate in the world is made in Belgium or Switzerland. Yes. And for me <laughs> and you, we need to be absolutely sickened to the stomach that here we have a country... Um, like the DRC that I've just spoken about, that is famous for war since Patrice Lumumba, Joseph Kabila, mm. mm. now uh, his son, um, in fact, Lohan Kabila, the father, now yeah. his son, um, Joseph Kabila, continues with that war. And yet it has one of the largest forest reserves in Africa, the world's second largest rainforest, and about half, of the hydroelectric potential of the continent. Another country that is really endowed is Zambia, which is the continent's biggest copper producer and has the world's ninth richest copper deposits. Mm. It has four big mines, and yet the Zambian government is a minority shareholder in all four of them. <laughs> Just in 2014, 12.4 billion was plowed into those four mines. And these mines are now a barometer for the state of health of the mining mm. industry and by extension of the Zambian economy. Exactly. Ghana is another one. You know, mm. Ghana is Africa's largest gold producer and is also a major producer of bauxite, of manganese, and yes. of course diamonds. It has 23 large-scale mining companies. And, and yet, it, it's not one of the top 10 richest countries in the world. <sighs> Here are two countries that make uranium that is used in, um, in electricity generation, especially in nuclear. You know, Arlit, the uranium mining operation on the southern border of the Sahara Desert in the West African country of Niger. But also Namibia, uh, you know, it has a Rosin uranium mine, which is located near the town of Arandis 
in the Erongo region of Namibia. It is the sixth largest uranium producing mine. It has been operating since 1976. Yeah. Rosin was the first uranium mine in Namibia and one of the oldest in the world. Langer Heimrecht uranium mine is located in the Namib desert. It's only 40 kilometers southeast of Rosling. It is the ninth largest uranium producing mine in the world. Now, let me talk a little bit about South Africa. Yeah. Well, before Africa, before you do that, let me just remind yes, people who they're listening to. Um, you, you're listening to Bonang Mohale. Amongst other things, he is the chairman of uh, the Bitvest Group, right? Um, he is also an academic. He's a writer. Check, get the book. Hey? Lift as you rise, Bonang. I got that right, that title. Beautiful book. Um, you need to go and check that out as well. And I think it speaks to the character of Bonang Mahali. When we had him on the last time talking about the book, he was talking about the responsibility that people have um, you know, at that, that stage in business. When it comes to rising those or lifting people as you rise up the ladder, and he's shared stories about how he's done that. Now we're having a discussion around the potential that exists in this continent, on this continent, and that we are not beneficiating that. Um, so, Bonang, just over to you again, now that everybody knows who they're listening to. My brother, you are absolutely too kind. You know, my grandmother used to say, the most persistent and urgent question of our time is what are you doing for others? Exactly. South Africa is internationally respected. It is a member of the G20 and the World Economic Forum. It sits on the United Nations Security Council. It has the most diversified and industrialized economy in Africa. It is a sophisticated and promising emerging market. It has a modern and well-developed transport infrastructure. It has a healthy legal and regulatory environment for business. It has a strong financial and banking sector, an internationally acclaimed and independent central bank called the South African Reserve Bank. An innovative and dynamic technology sector is home to the largest number of multinational headquarters. Let me talk about just two of its mines. Mm. The South Deep Gold Mine is one of the largest gold mines in the world by reserve. Mm. It is located 45 kilometers southwest of Johannesburg in the Vetwatersrand Basin. Mm. South Deep is also the seventh deepest mine in the world with a mine depth of almost three kilometers below the surface. The managed mineral reserves at South Deep, as of December of 2018, stood at 33 million ounces. The second one is Mponeng. We used to call it the Western Deep Level. Yes. It's a gold mine located near Caltonville, is owned and operated by Harmony. The mine is also currently the deepest operating mine in the world with a depth of more than four kilometers below the surface. You see, Kino, South Africa also produces over 250 metric tons of coal every year. It is estimated that almost 75% of this coal is used domestically. Nearly 80% of the energy needs of South Africa are taken care of by coal, but over 90% of the coal consumed on the entire African continent is produced here in South Africa. The biggest coal deposits can be found in the Eka deposits, a vein of the Karoo Supergroup. The Eka group covers about two-thirds of the country and contains over a third of the coal reserves in the entire southern hemisphere. Yep. Africa's path through and beyond this COVID um, kino will be determined to a large extent 
by the actions that all social partners take in the next few weeks. In the immediate term, I think it will be important for African countries to find smart approaches to reopening economies, building sustainability, and over time, resilience while ensuring Mm. that populations are protected from the virus. The biggest injustice for me is exclusion, and there is no possession like lead. This will require innovative thinking along with decisive action. At the same time, Mm. the virus also confronts the continent with an imperative to begin looking ahead and repurposing, as you were saying, but also reimagining and reopening African society. Mm. Why Mm. do we need to reopen? Because you can't travel east to west or west to east within a day because we haven't put the necessary infrastructure at a distance of just two-hour flight. Mm. I think African societies, business, developmental institutions, and government need to emerge from this crisis with greater inclusion, smarter development, better service delivery to our own people, but also more globally competitive Mm. enterprises. Chino, let me conclude by saying we must, all of us, accelerate our digital transformation. We need to put renewed focus on serving the needs of the most vulnerable urban populations because people in the rural areas actually can make plants, they can plant, they can have cattle, uh, sheep and goats to live out of. But if you're in the urban area, you are condemned to be in an informal settlement. We also need to transform our healthcare systems with a focus on release, resilience, equity, and social justice. We must strengthen our sector competitiveness through consolidation and innovation. We must reshape manufacturing with a focus on self-reliance and resilience. We have to catalyze the formalization of our economy. We must prepare for a more active government role in the economy, forge a stronger social contract between citizens and government, and sustain momentum both in country, in the region, but most importantly, Pan-African cooperation, my dear brother. Now, I know you said in, in, in closing, but who is going to do this? We talk about all these social partners, right? and it's very generic. Um, you know, as I see it, listen, I, I believe we've got a lot of potential. I believe ordinary people on the ground, people in business, um, they, they want to see this difference. Um, they, they want to do things. But the enablers are the politicians, right? We were talking the other day about having... A, a wartime president that makes wartime decisions, that makes urgent decisions that will impact not just our short and medium term, but in fact our long-term trajectory as a country. But we're not seeing that, Bonang. So the question is, who is going to do it? You know, Chino, a simple answer is you and I. Ah. Civil society. Because remember, the definition of a democracy, a liberal democracy, is really just four things. Number one, of course, is um, a free press, Mm. constitutional democracy, active civil society, and the rule of law. What should break our heart is that when you look at the continental GDP, we are talking about 2.6%. A trillion U.S. dollars. I said 55 countries that speak 3,000 languages with 30.4 square kilometers of pristine Mm. coastline. 
the only country in the world that can say Mr. Tourist or Mr. Tourist, whatever you need, we have it in abundance. Yeah. So for me, Kino, I think what needs to happen more than anything else is for South Africans and Africans to realize that we have the power that the politicians work for us, not the other way around. I think we need to stop the fact that whenever politicians walk into the room, we are the ones that jump up um, and stand up. When they work for us, we pay their salary. Exactly. The, the biggest tragedy is not the fact that it's the, the politicians that are thieves, that are stealing our money, that are self-centered and egocentric. But the biggest tragedy is the, the ordinary citizens that continue to elect those politicians exactly. again and again and again. Let me make an example. You know, in Nigeria, they had four politicians that were caught red-handed, having spoke, stolen a minimum of $4 billion U.S. dollars. Mm. And three of them went to jail for three to four years. When they came out, it's these citizens that gave them a hero's welcome and they were dancing oh around uh, their cars. And, and as if uh, th- this is absolute royalty. Absolutely. You know, there's a meme that's going around that says only in Africa, where the politicians will steal from the young and the poor, and it will be the young people and the poor people Vote them that back. protect them. Absolutely. Like, uh, like some other parties who moved from a luta continua to a looting continually. So, Bona Mahale, that is where we're going to leave it. I want to thank you for your time, Chairman of Bidvest, giving his thoughts on the potential of this conflict.